makes no sense. You know, there's the one, we go to the fire ground, but if you're on that tip, if you can't put the fire out, you're useless. I don't care what color you are, what gender you are, what, what nationality, what's your religion, I don't, it does, none of that matters. If you can't put that fire out, you're useless. Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance, it is Weekly Scrap number 228. Joining us tonight is Gabe Salas. He is 20 years of service in the Philadelphia Fire Department, assigned to engines his whole career a part of special operations for 16 years, currently assigned to Squad 72 SOC for 14 years. And I'm going to tell you, there is a very, I, I, I wish you could see it, but it wouldn't fit inside my coin uh, collection back there. There is a very special coin for Squad 72. I have, uh, he's been a part of Pennsylvania Task Force One as a rescue specialist for over a dozen years. He loves this career. The people, opportunity has given him he started Philly 10 Helmet Fire Training with his friend and Scrap alumni, Jeff Eckert, and they teach all across the country. I'm excited for our conversation this evening. It is my absolute pleasure to have you on as the guest of Weekly Scrap number 228. Welcome, my brother, Gabe thank Salas. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. I'm excited, my man. Is there anything I w- uh, missed in the intro, anything you would like to add? No, no. Sounds good. It's good enough. Enough pat on my back. Thank you. I like it. <laughs> Uh, audience, please get your questions primed and ready for Gabe. I was going to say Gabe, Kyle, and myself because Kyle was logged in. He was ready to go for the scrap, and then he texted and said, caught a fire. Sorry, buddy. And I said, that there's no reason to apologize. You catch a fire, you catch a fire. Yeah. So that's the life we live. So Kyle is not here, but Sam will grab your questions. So please, if you have questions as we progress through the evening, send them. Sam will grab them. He will throw them in there. It will absolutely go on. Um this is a live show. We have no idea where it's going to go. Uh, viewer discretion. I don't know if I need to say that. Is advised? Is listened? I don't know. We were discussing that right before we went live. It is raw. It is unedited. Even if you're listening to the recording, it is unedited. So let's talk about those beautiful sponsors. The OG sponsor of the scrap is Keyhose. Check them out online at keyhose.com and follow them on Facebook. Affordable Drill Towers. Home of the Affordable Drill Tower. The Affordable Standpipe Prop and introducing the all-new Affordable Bailout Prop. It is firefighter-owned and operated. You can pump and roll using the Affordable Standpipe Prop. The Affordable Standpipe Prop fits through most classroom doorways for standpipe theory, and then you roll it out into the parking lot where you can pump to it with realistic flows and pressures. It comes with up to seven standpipe valves that can be upgraded to PRVs or customized to what you have in your jurisdiction. Call Steve at 854-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltower.com. Firestationfurniture.com provides a complete line of quality furniture for your firehouse. Firefighter owned and operated, they understand the strain firefighters put on furniture and offer furniture that's built to last. Visit www.firestationfurniture.com for more information. And then finally, FDIC. FDIC International is taking over Indianapolis once again, April 15th through the 20th, and you have to be there to experience it. No other event brings together the fire service industry like FDIC. 
with over 34,000 fire service professionals, hands-on training covering the latest in technology, technique, an expansive conference program, and nearly 800 leading manufacturers displaying their products and services. It's not a regular trade show. It's FDIC International. Register today at FDIC.com and use the promo code SCRAP. S-C-R-A-P. So there you go. The sponsors are done. Homework is done. Let me let me check in with the uh, let me check in and see what people are saying here. Pulling up, pulling it up, get in the chat. I'm just going to read you a few things, Gabe. Yeah, we got checking in from ODP from Fireman Seven One Eight. Michael Ziri says, "Let's go!" Seven exclamation points. My favorite part of the week. Jason said, "Squad life," but I'm not sure who Jason is because it just says Jason, so I'm not sure. Uh, Joff Everett said, Sam the man doing double duty. Checking in from North Florida. Let's get it going. That comes from Cody Brooks. Jason Gregory said, what's up, fellas? Gabe, you're my boy. (laughs) There we go. There we go. All right, brother. Uh, With all that being said, it's time to kick it off. Get some questions rolling and get you in your wheelhouse. And I want to lead off with, you are the senior man on Squad 72. Right? Correct? On the D platoon. On the B platoon. Okay, I want to get it right. Yeah, D Delta. Every platoon has a senior guy in it. I want to talk to you initially, right out the gate. Talk to me about what it means to be a senior man and the senior man that invested in you and that you learned from. Well, I mean, Squad 72 is a unique station because everybody there has a good amount of time, 17 plus years, 15 years, 17 years. So senior man thing, to a certain degree, it's not the same as having a new guy. Right? right? You don't have – there's nothing to – to talk about that part of it, you know, but like every firehouse with this issues, somebody does has, has issues with something, don't like something else. So most guys get involved right away. I tend to like let things happen first, but they usually work out themselves. But I mean, they're like brothers, you know, you're going to fight, you're going to argue, get a good job, gone, never happened. Right. So sometimes you don't need to get involved. So, so sometimes I just don't get involved at all and I see what happens. And then later on, if I have to say something to somebody, I'll just talk to them in private one-on-one. I don't really don't air it out. But it's rare because these guys are all great firemen. They got plenty of time, been great places, you know. So it's it's a little different there. See, as a senior man, as a normal senior man, as someone that has a new guy or a guy right. three, four years on. These guys, seventeen plus years, fought fires for years, different stations, come from all over the place. So they're not. You don't need like so-called senior guy, you know, instruction there. Right. You know, for me, when I got to, I got when I first got on, I got to a slow station. It was really slow, but I had guys with thirty some years on the job. We didn't fight fires, but I sat there and talked to them. They, they all got listen. They, they, they didn't come and teach me a lot of hands-on stuff. We didn't go too many fires, but I, they, they just gave me their knowledge just by talking to me. Then I went to a busier station, really busy engine, and a double house. We had engine, ladder, and a medic in it there. And those guys, when I got there, these guys had almost 30 years when I got there. Right. Uh, in, that North, in the North Philly uh, firehouse. They were fighting fires, like, I mean, for decades. So they, again, but this guy's, this time it was hands-on. So we went to a fire. I mean, I remember one fire. I had a full pack on, heavy fire blowing out. I'm on my knees, just looking back, scared out of my mind. And this guy has no pack on, half standing up. He's like, come on, we got this. Let's go. It's already vented. You know, and it's fire all around them. You know, they said, how do you, what do you say? Right. I mean, he's like, he wasn't my officer. But I'm like, I look back, like, okay. You know, and he just keep moving. But that's what they did, you know. They but 
um, on the ladder, had another guy. So he, they were class, classmates over almost 30 years when I got there and on the ladder. Same thing. So when I got these uh, ladder, you know, he, they, these guys didn't wear their packs. It was back then they didn't. But they made sure I wore my pack. I wasn't allowed not to wear my pack. They looked at me and said, you put your pack on. Right on. So I listened. The guy go, oh, oh, yeah, sure. But these guys, plus almost 30 years, in the firehouses, they were the first ones to get up. First ones to grab everything, you know, uh, stuff to clean the house, the station, wash the truck, you know, clean the tools. With 30 years on, you get, you literally almost had to insult them, push them out the way to do that for them, being a new guy. They weren't having it. So it wasn't one of those, like, oh, I'm a senior man, I'm not doing that, you do it. Those right. guys led by example the whole time. And, you know, that's why I learned. That's how I learned from these guys. I just sat there and learned. I got, and I, I got the privilege of learning from guys like that. So much time. They were busy companies the whole career. So I got to learn how to fight fires. I got to learn what to see, not to see, you know, what to look for in the jobs, stuff like that. Then you guys don't have that luxury no more because those guys are gone. You know, most senior guys have five, six years, sometimes 10. They're senior, they're senior men. Officer has four years, five years. Who's, who's teaching who there? Right. I mean, yeah, great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Books are phenomenal. You learn a lot from your books. But experience doesn't get beat by paper. Right? So you, you, don't, you, you can't just think just because I have 10 years on, I know everything. Right? I'm, I, I'm the senior man. Do as I say, especially in the fire ground. Doesn't work that way. The officer, oh, he has a bar. He has a bar, two bars. He knows what he's talking about. No, he doesn't. Right. Right. He not that he's not trying. Not that right. he's a bad person. He doesn't. He lacks the experience, and that's a big problem. So that I got lucky with my senior guys when I came on because they were still around. Right. Leading by example. Now, let me ask you this: How much? <clears throat> I want to try and phrase this question correctly for you, but how much pressure do you feel? comes from them putting that lead by example into you and now you're you're getting to to pass that on forward how much pressure do you feel to live up to that if that makes sense what i'm asking yeah yeah i mean i, I was just saying but like i said being at squad 72 that pressure's not really there because these right. guys are veterans right they have time they have the knowledge they have the skills so this is again i'm in a unique place that you don't right. need to worry about that kind of stuff so that's a you know the cash 22 i'm not gonna tell a guy with 17 years. Sure. This is how you pull a ceiling, right? And he's been a ladder for, you know, 15 years. Because you're not getting you're not getting the new meat. You're not getting the fresh. No, no. The fresh these guys, to squad. Yeah, these guys, I mean, I, these guys will fight fire with you with no problem. You know, like, doesn't, there's no need for that kind of stuff there. You know I mean, it's just, it just happens to be that that's the way that, that station is structured. Right on. But the rest of the department is not like that. You know, new guys are everywhere. They constantly, you got guys, yeah, 80 plus uh, cadets come in, I think, Monday, that's Monday, something like that. It's constant. Every year, two years, they're getting a whole new class. These guys are getting promoted four or five years on. Now, who's Lee? Who's, I mean, again, no one's not, I'm not making fun of anybody, but it's literally the blind within the blind when it comes to experience. Because fires are down for everybody. Fires are down because, you know, with technology and new construction, building of different cities, fires are down. So you don't get the experience. You can't get it, right? And the really busier spots, and we call it, you know, the busy spots in, in Philadelphia, the guys that get there, they stay there. Right, they don't give it up. You're not going to give it up, right? Why? I mean, so you're there, they're there for their, their, their whole career, unless they get made, right? Then they, they, they move on. But those spots are not really open. So when it, it is a spot, it's one spot, maybe two. So it's hard to get there. So everybody goes to slower spots. And it's not their fault they don't get the experience. But no matter where you go, you're going to get a fire. 
I don't care how slow you go or the slowest fire in the city eventually gets a fire. So it's it's that's the catch twenty two when you come in. But when it's a senior man thing, it really unfortunately I mean, it's not. It, it doesn't apply to me. It's not that unfortunate because I mean it, it doesn't make it mean much to me here because again these guys are phenomenal firemen, seventeen plus years. Right, you got the best of the best coming in under you. It's yeah. not like you're going to teach them anything, or you know, yeah. you're, you're not. Yeah, exactly. you're hey kid, hey kid, come here. Let me show you. Yeah. Right. There's none of that stuff. You know, we do, we do, but we do learn from each other. We talk to each other. Sure. We, we talk about mistakes. We make it. Yo, I, I think I messed up. I should have done this, this, this way. Like, yeah, let's try this, and we'll do that. So we we help each other out. We we bounce stuff off each other's backs. You know, and we don't tell everybody. We go on the kitchen table, and yo, shoot, I messed up pretty bad. I think, but and we learn from them. You know what I mean? But, no, I love it. I love it. Now, I'm going to shift gears on you here because everybody would love to be a part of the elite squad. Don't get me wrong with yeah. where where you have the best 17 years is your low guy. You know what I'm saying? Like that's your that's your that's your inexperienced person coming into the squad. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, let's go to just a normal uh, uh, day at the station. There is a problem to handle as the senior man. Mm-hmm. And. I want to know because I, I love this. We, you had a, a question and answer session that you had in Arkansas, and that's one of the one of the places where I met you, or the place where I met you, and the yeah. place where I said, "Hey, I want to have you on the scrap." Yeah. But I wanted to talk to you about this specifically. It's like it's a lost art, almost. It's a lost skill in in the modern world. The ability to for for the people that don't have rank, the people the the, the rank and file to handle problems amongst themselves and not let it escalate and become an issue that has to be dealt with. Um, is that, uh, how do you handle stuff at the lowest level is basically what I'm asking you. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I get, that's this stuff that I did learn from the senior guys is that when I, when I, when I was at a busier spot, these guys, they were, they were the answer. We did not go to the Lieutenant. No matter what we had, we talked to him. Then he decided like what happens or if he went to the officer. Cause I think when Jeff said, if you go to an officer, expect an officer, you know, officer answer right they have to follow the rules so you can't get mad at them for following the rules and something goes wrong because he's going by the book right on officer. between us we can handle it we talk to each other we, we but again we're like we're like brothers we're gonna we're gonna bicker we're gonna fight we're gonna argue uh we're no matter what it is you know we have food blown out you know at each other's you know cursing out the whole nine yards whatever blank guess what <laughs> it, it goes away you come back to normal right but it stays there. You know, we right. have we had arguments with the officers in the kitchen when we were arguing. He will walk and walk away. He'll walk away because you're not bringing it's happening in front of him, but it's not bringing him to me. But you also need officers like that. You don't get involved unless they need to. Mm-hmm. If an officer's getting involved in every little bickering a fireman does, his day is going to be booked with crap, right? Mm-hmm. They walk away and let the fireman handle it. You know, no, so it's, I'm sorry. It's again, it, how do we handle it? You hash it out, whatever it takes. From a simple, you know, conversation to, you know, effing each other, whatever it takes. And then it goes away. Right? It goes away. And so that's, that's you have to let it play out, whatever it's going to be. Let it play out. No, I love. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to ask questions, but I don't want to interrupt you. I'm just, I'm just. No, no, it's fine. Right. So it's just, firemen think that, they're, well, we have a disagreement. I'm going to tell the, oh, we got to go tell the officer. He needs to know about this argument. No, he don't. Why? He, 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 he doesn't even care about it unless it's something official you, sh- you shouldn't care you know we have we have guys you know got to the point almost blows guess what at the bar shaking hands drinking yo i'm sorry brother we, you know we're, we're good no uh, brother i love i love the answer believe me i do uh has this become I'm, i'll ask you just over your time 
in the fire service? Has this become harder to do in the modern work environment with HR and DEI and, and just all the other things that are coming into it and, and the hostile work environments and, and harassment and all that kind of stuff. What, what's your take on, and I'm not trying to throw curveballs or. No, no, that's fine. I understand what you're supposed to be going to. It, it, again, being at the Sasquatch 72, our bubble is a little different. Right. Because, you know, we don't, we hash things out. And no matter what, across platoon, we have arguments. It gets handled in-house. It doesn't go nowhere. No matter what it is, we figure out how to handle it in-house. But you step outside into the world, you know, and you go to fire grounds, and you see you have, you're telling somebody to do something, they get offended, stuff like that. Then that part of it, we kind of do get the officer involved. And then he'll, sure. you know, he'll, like, he'll, he'll make it, he'll squash it, he'll do what he's got to do, whatever. Because the guy officer at the squad company, they, they have more respect than most officers, right? Because they have the good, they have the experience and stuff like that. But uh, it depends. All depends. You know, we have made fire grounds with guys that they listen. They, they, they have, you know, oh, yeah, I, thanks for showing me. Great time. You know, we, we, I learned from you. Thank you very much. Then we go in and look at you like, you know, who are you to tell me anything? Right. Right. You're just like me. When that happens, I just like, okay. So when we walk circles around you, don't sit there and cry to your lieutenant when we're taking, your, we're taking the tip and take, putting your fire out because you right. dropped it and took off because you couldn't handle it. That's your problem. We've done that plenty of times. Jeff is notorious for taking people's tips somehow. I don't know how he does it. He turn around, he has the tip, and he's putting the fire out. And we're like, we're a sock company. So because somebody drops it. So does it really tie back into just being competent and highly competent at what you do so you can back up what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What, how do you become competent in, fire, in, in, in our world? Training and experience. And these guys, the new guys don't want to train, and they don't get the experience, and they don't have the senior, man, the senior, the senior guys with the experience. So that's that's what sucks for them. But the new generation, their work ethic is completely different than ours, right? You 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 know when I got on, they tell me, "Yo, shut your you know, shut your mouth and do what I tell you." You shut your mouth and you do what you tell them. I didn't sit there and you know pop my powder and go tell the officer, "Oh, who's mean to me?" You know, I need a safe space. You know, that's that's ridiculous, especially in our world, right? Right. Makes no sense. You know, there's when we go to a fire ground. Like I said, you when you're, if you're on that tip, if you can't put the fire out, you're useless. I don't care what color you are, what gender you are, what what nationality, what's your religion. I don't, it does none of that matters. If you can't put that fire out, you're useless. But the first thing people say is like, "Oh, well, it's because of this, or it's because of that." You know, it's it's nonsense. It says you're you can't do your job. Hold on, no? I got I got a timestamp. Hold on, Gabe. You're useless. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely no. I mean, there's already been like four or five people have already said sound bites. Let me let me catch you up. Uh, a lot of people want to know. Um, yeah, timestamp, timestamp, go, go. Uh, Blue collar warrior poets from Stephen McCaffrey. I love it, Bull. Um, where are we at? Uh, how do you? What's the squad selection like in Philly? Uh, well, you have that minimum five years on. Okay. And you you put in the the application that comes out. You put the application in. They go through an interview interview process, and once you get selected. Then you have to go to um to, to do all the training. The order you get the training for all the disciplines. And once you have all the training, you're qualified as a back, you're qualified as a backup. So you can you can work at a company, but you're not assigned to a company. So when I got the training, I stood at my my my, my engine for another two years before I got the spot. So you don't get a spot until there's an opening. Again, in our in our spots, no one leaves unless they get made or they're they're sick, they're they're done. They want to go slow down, they have so much time on, they want to go relax to a slower spot. So then again, that's 
two, three guys every couple of years, you know, every 10 years, something like that. So the spots don't really open up. Right. But the reality is if, if it was, you know, it's not possible. If it was possible, everybody should have the training we get. Because the training itself is phenomenal. You know, so this the stuff you learn from it, it's just everybody should have it. Unfortunately, it's not feasible for a city to do that. Right. But and then you won't have a special special operations company. Everybody be the same. But the training is just phenomenal. And there was like four or five people asking about the squad selection process. So I hope that got to most of the questions uh, that covered how to get on the squad in Philly. Uh, Michael Ramirez wants to ask you, Gabe. He said, Gabe, at first in, you mentioned you didn't know fire conferences were a thing outside of Philly. How has this exposure impacted your career, especially coming from a big city department? Well, I mean, I'll be I'll be hundred percent honest with you guys. Philly Fire is was that's all I know. Right. That's literally all I know. I didn't know anything about conferences, about uh all these training programs, all your the podcasts, all these these super chiefs they're called, and the, all these guys that are so well known in the fire world, I knew not one. Right on. Nothing about it. They knew anybody about it or none of this stuff. Why? Because I'll be honest, it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't matter to me. All I knew wanted to do is learn my job. Right on. I do my job in my city. I didn't look at anything else. I didn't, wasn't like, you know, even the New York one, like I knew nothing of nothing about none of this stuff because I was spoken is what's learning my job, you know, and if you fight fires in Philadelphia, that's what you need to know. I don't need to know how they fight fires in other places. Right. When I'm there, when I'm the new guy there. Right. Right. Because I'm learning from I'm learning from my senior guys. That's what I wanted to learn. That's it. After you get older, get more time on, you know, start a business, you're learning. Oh, there's a big world out there <laughs> on the fire service that I knew nothing about. And it's interesting. It's, it's great. It's interesting. You know, you, you do pick up different. You do pick up different things from different people, you know, which is great. But being a new guy, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about none of the fire service world outside of Philadelphia. I love it. And I will say this, man. Firefighting is local. Tactics are local. Building construction is local, man. You have to know your jurisdiction. You like there's so many people that want to go to conferences, come back, change the department. And we were talking about this on the fire away just yesterday. And the fact of the matter is know your SOPs, know your procedures, know your tactics. I mean, uh, yeah. if you want to make changes, you got to put yourself in a position, a position to make changes. As a fireman, if I want to, if I come sit there and complain, oh, this, you know, the department should change this or change that, then I have to get promoted. I have to get myself in that position to be able to make change. I can complain all I want. I can sit there and complain all I want. But if I'm not willing to do the, get there to change it, then it's not going to change. And I can't get mad at anybody for not changing it. I love right? it, bro. No, I love it. Dude, I absolutely, uh, I do. Um, John Velez Jr. wants to know, in your opinion, what is the most important character trait of the senior man? Hmm. You have to be able to listen. Not you know, just sit there and listen and hear the the full story. You don't pick and choose what you want to hear. Because if you listen to the full story, you get to realize it's not what people think it is. It's not as serious as it is, you know. People will hear certain key words and, and key on that and like, oh, wait, this is horrible. We got to fix this. And then you realize it was no big deal. Right? You have to sit there and listen to the full, whatever's going on. Listen to the story, whatever it is. Give it time. Don't just jump in because I'm the senior man. Let me fix this problem. No. Let me see what happens. Let's see what happens. 
until it fixes itself. It don't fix itself, and then you 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 know you ease in there. You know that whole fucking I gotta fix this. You do what I say, crap. Again, that's bull crap. That's bull crap because it's, they're grown men. Everybody's a grown man. You can literally fix your own problems eventually. No, I like it. I like the uh, patience uh, mixed with listening and just kind of like take a step back, gather the information, see what's going on, and let's make our decision based off what we're actually observing. Yeah, a lot of times you just got to let it play out. And, and eventually, like I said, it, it will fix itself. You don't do nothing. And if you got to do something, probably minimum. You'll talk to one person on side and then problem solved. And, oh, okay, I'm, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Or it was a misunderstanding. No big deal. Uh, so, listen, I mean, do you think a lot of the problems come from people who try to, and I'm not picking on just senior people, but any 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 level, is it just them jumping in and saying, man, I got to fix this. I'm going to make this better. You're going to do this. You're going to do this, as opposed to just sitting back and gathering the facts? Yeah. Well, I think the problem lies is that people are quick to complain. If you have a problem with somebody else, well, fix it. Don't tell anybody. Don't go around telling everybody about it. Fix it. Talk about it to the person you have a problem with. Right? Because if you're telling somebody, you want somebody to do something for you. Why else will you tell somebody? You know? If I got a problem with you, well, let's go talk about it. Oh, yo, you got a minute? Let's go back. Let's talk about it. You know, it's not, I'm not talking about argue or fight. Just let's talk about it. Right? There, no one, no one needs to know you the could be about the problem at all. Like never happened. No one ever will know if you if you can talk about it with somebody and head squash it right then and there. Once you talk you talk telling people, other people tell other people and it snowballs. You know how firemen are. Oh, yeah. This snowballs to that and it's a completely different story. And it becomes an issue because some people, other people to put their two cents in it. Yeah. So do you think that's the uh I don't want to. I don't want to pigeonhole it in the major problem with, with almost all the drama ever is just people not talking to each other. Yeah, hundred mm. percent. Like I mean, I, I've seen. I mean, I've been in her situations that guys are hate what another guy does. Hate right. It. This guy does this. This guy does that. Oh my god! This is so. Have you talked to him? Well, not. Nah, I don't want to start no issue. I don't want to. Why? It's all about the approach. If I come in like a, you know, come in like, yo, what the hell? What you doing? Well, then now we got two grown men, eight type A personalities coming at each other. It's going to be bad. Right. What if like, yo, yo, brother, can I talk to you for a second? Yo, why are you doing this? this you know, this is kind of messed up. You know? No, absolutely. I love it, man. 90% of the time, that's going to fix your problem. And the person might not even know they're doing it because they're right. so oblivious to what they do on a normal day basis at home. We don't know how people do it at home. You know, it could be the dirtiest guy in the world at home. Or the if their wife babies them. They take it. They don't. You know. They just used to it. So they come to the firehouse and they're, they're kind of the same way. Love it. Hold on. I got a time, <laughs> dude. Uh, one of the things recently, and I'm going to try and this is this is something that I'm going to try and implement in my own shift, my own battalion. Uh, and it's basically anytime somebody, and I haven't worked on it yet, but basically it goes like this, and it, it plays right into what you're saying. Anytime somebody is talking about somebody else, I'm going to. The, the the question I want anybody involved to ask is, what did they say when you told them about it, or what did you say when you yeah. asked them about it? Right. 100%. That that's the question I want always asked. If anybody's talking about anybody, say, well, what did they say when you talked to them about it? And it it's yeah. like they probably won't say nothing. Well, I didn't say nothing to them. Right. You didn't, so that means you didn't want to fix the problem. You want somebody else to fix it for you. Oh, I love. I see. That's the part that I I hadn't even connected yet, but I love that part. I mean, I said, well, what else will you tell somebody else about it, though? No, that's solid, brother. I absolutely love it. Um, coming at you, uh, so many questions coming at you. Uh, Matt Kimball wants to know, how do we motivate 
those senior guys who don't seem to want to take on that role as the informal leader? It's a great question. I don't, I mean, it's a. Then he's not. Then you, you don't. You don't try to motivate a guy who doesn't want to do their job. Guess what? You're motivated, that motivated, you take that job. Mm. You get up and start training. You get up and do this. That guy got two options. Sit there and be who's going to be his career or get up and, you know, uh, let me, let's, let's go do this. So many options he has. Not going to stop me from being who I want to be. Not stop me from what I want to learn. If I want to go train, you know, we all do. We all take turns. So I'm going to bring up, yo, I want to do this tomorrow. Let's go. I don't have to bring it up. Let's go do it. You know, if somebody's not doing what you like, what you considered, you know, well, he should, he should take the lead. Why? If he doesn't want it, he would, if he wanted, he would have been done it. He's not doing it because he doesn't want it. So there you go. Dude, I, dude, I absolutely love it. Um, Got that question. Now that you know about the conferences and training outside your department, are you advocating for other personnel to attend them and learn new things? Like, how has that changed how you approach outside conferences and stuff? To a certain degree. Stick to what helps you in your department, how you fight fires. Right? Like, I mean, for example, like in Philadelphia, 95% of probably I'll say we have flat roofs. Right. So, you know, I have the luxury because of Philly 10 and, you know, and, and Arkansas and all that to learn from guys from, you know, if Houston and all that do a lot of peak roofs. So I learned different tactics, but I'm not going to focus 100 percent of my focus and my time on learning every single technique on peak roofs when 95 percent of my fires are on flat roofs. Right. So focus. My, my point is to focus on what's going to help you in your world, whatever it is. I mean, you know, if you're in your department, right, how do you fight fires, how do you guys do it? Focus on how whatever helps you, whatever conference you can go to, whatever training you can go to, but in your realm, then stick to it. You know, don't go be wanting to be learn about a whole nother world that you can't bring it back to the department anyway. So what's the point? Right. And it leads to frustration and it leads, yeah. Yeah, now you're gonna be, oh well, I saw this, we should try this, we should try that. These guys that you know, it's just why? You know, train is phenomenal. There's nobody can discuss about training being bad for you. There's no such thing. Training cannot be bad for you. I don't care if it's bad training. You learn how to watch it. You learn how to not do certain things. But you, if I go to, uh, to a, a class and it's horrible, right? I learn from that class because I learn what not to do. Nice. Right? You learn something from anywhere. So training, no matter good or bad, is training. You're learning something. You don't realize it's bad or good, but you know, like, oh, well, that sucked. Guess what? You're never going to do that ever. So you learn something. Right? But try your best. And if you're an engine guy, you're on the engine, don't take 10 freaking ladder classes. Don't take, go, go and take, I mean, most conferences, first thing guys jump for is the, the ladder stuff. The first, everything fills up on the ladder for some reason. It fills up. When these guys are on engine, can you fight a fire? Right? Most training, engine trainings are, you see, I, you see, I watch online, they're phenomenal. Oh, that looks so cool. We got heavy fire rolling out of you, coming over you. You're underneath. You're like, oh, that looks great. That's an easy job. If I can see the fire, I wish I could see the fire. When I see a fire, when we pull up, oh, yes, that's the easy one. It's when you got heavy smoke conditions. You can't see nothing. Excuse my language. Your ass is puckering because right. you can't. You're like, I'm in there for 10, 15 minutes. I still can't find it. I'm like, oh, damn. That's fighting a fire, right? Heavy no. fire blowing out. That's all right. Well, I, know where I, I know where I'm going, how to put the fire out, and keep going. That's easy. Guys, that's all you see, though, in training. Heavy fire blowing out these, these, these containers. 
and you go knock it down and keep moving. Well, that's easy. It's not really that's the easy part. You know, <laughs> I love you, it. You know, this this how when you go to a house and you can't see anything, you got heavy smoke conditions showing with no fire. Ooh, now you, if it's in the basement at that or something like that, and you still can't find that you're just you're in there while looking your air, listening to it. You, you feel like you're by yourself. You know, you're just pulling lines like, oh shit, where am I at? Where, oh, where's this place at? It's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in here, and you can't find it. That's when, to me, it's when you're an engine guy, when you feel, you know, you can say, oh, shoot, like, I put this fire, we found it 10 minutes in, we finally found it, and I got to put it out. You know, not walking into the front door and meet you on the front door, and you put it out, keep going to the second door and fog out. You know, it's, to me, that's easy. It's not that it's super easy, but it's an easier job. It's not as scary, because I know what I'm, I can see what I'm doing. Right. No, 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 absolutely. I get what your point is. It's like, there's those metrics. You come around, you see fire blowing, you got the vent point ignition. You're like, oh, this is where the fire at. This makes it so much easier than just heavy chugging smoke. And now you got to, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, The hardest part is locating the fire so we can get water on it and make everything better. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, (laughs) Patrick Dighton said, replying to Michael, max points. Um, 100%. 100%. No, you're a very blunt person. I think that's safe to say. I can say that. I, me and you have met and talked, and I can say you're a blunt person. You're an A-type personality. That's safe to say, correct? Correct. Has that caused you problems? A, as a as a younger person, maybe before you had influence, as you were earning your your stripes, and B, what was the lessons you kind of learned to, to – how do you how do you harness being blunt and saying what you mean with also being effective, basically, is what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, when I first got on, like I said, I was – I was brand new. I was, I was really humble when I first got on because these guys had, I guess, like I said, 20, 30, 40, probably 40 years on when I got on. I mean, guys, right. With, well, you had some guys from the Warriors. Like, yeah. So, that, like, yeah. I, I, not, and I never, no one in my family is fire service. I don't know anything about a fire service before I got on. Whole new world for me. Right on. So, a friend of mine got on the job a couple of years and he, when I got out of high school, he's like, here, fill this out. That's how I got on. Fill this out. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, and then I got a, I got a call almost three years later to get on the department. And I started my career, and I just listened and I listened and you know no matter where I went, listen. But the guys, see, I got lucky with because my every senior guy I had, even though they were tough and they told me my show me how to do my job, they were gentlemen. They were they were they would talk to you the right way. They they weren't put they didn't these guys told me they didn't put you down, so I got lucky that way. I hear other stories of other guys, the great firemen, but the way they talk to guys, the way they put them down, the way they they, they were they were different. I just somehow got lucky and got the guys, calmest guys, never never raised their voice, calm as can be. They were just gentlemen, you know. We had one guy, my my senior guy on the engine, Irv Cohen. He was he never got angry. He never yelled. He just talked, you know. Jamie Sullivan on the ladder. I I, I saw I heard him get angry one time. Literally one time in his whole career, since I met him, he's it was insane, and that was because the guy did something. We could have got himself killed. That's the only time. But other than that, gentlemen, true gentlemen. Like I said that that's rare anymore. Like I can't, I'm not even like that. Right. Like it's crazy, but that helped me, you know, stay you know calm, relaxed, and and not you know my personality wasn't a factor because they were so calm all the time. It's just the way they were. Like, I mean, I don't know. These guys just maybe they were, I don't know. I can't answer the why they were like that, but that's how they were. No, I love it. I love it. So my personality wasn't even a factor because, you know, with them, when the other guys, the newer guys, the people my same size, my, my same uh, time on, sorry, they were, 
you know, we were, we were good. We had arguments. We, we, you know, because again, I'm pretty blunt. Me and I have no issue telling you the truth, right? Guys don't like to hear it because, you know, how dare you? Right. Why? Why not? You know? No, this takes me, this takes me to one of the conversations that I wanted to have with you, which is, is it's, um, learning from other people's mistakes. You're, you're pretty passionate about this. Yeah, guys. So we actually had this conversation on the kitchen table with my officer and a couple of them and Jeff and all the guys. We just had we just talk about it. Um, we don't most most time in the press, especially in Philadelphia, but in fire service in general, you don't talk about the mistakes in detail. You hear about what happened. You hear the results. You get studies on why you know this is why this happened. All the, none of that matters to me. If you make a mistake, if I make a mistake, and it's a fatal mistake, unfortunately, something happens. I would like to know the thought process. Like, what is the thought process? What made you think that this was okay? Why you did it? Guess what? Because now someone else can learn from that mistake. Right. Right. And again, and unfortunately, it's more towards the officers, you know, above firemen. They they, they have the ability to make a mistake and have somebody injured for the most part because they're in charge. They they make their lead their lead. But we don't hear about the mistakes they did and why they did it because sometimes in their eyes, it's not a mistake. And if you sit there and listen to them, it might make sense in the in your head. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, so okay, so he did that because of this. Okay, that's that's pretty all right. That's not a bad thing, but the result was bad. So it might not really be a mistake in your own head. If that makes sense, no, it does. It, it was a mistake, but there's no way of learning that what he was thinking. For I will never do it. I won't do that one day because you don't talk about that because it might make somebody look bad. Sure, and that's what I, that really pisses me off. It's like I want to know why. The question is why. Why did the why did he say that? Why did he put that? He made that decision. Whatever it was, but why? Because I know one day I might be standing where he's at, or some, or, or, or this is a same scenario. I'm like, well, I remember him telling the, uh, this conversation, and he did this, and this is what happened. Then I won't do that, or right. at least it'll be a thought. At least it's in my head. Normally, other than that, it wouldn't be in my head. I won't even think about that. You know, and that's, and that's a lot of jobs like that. It's like. They don't talk though because the person is going to look bad, right? You know because so, our, is it just uh, like a like a toxic form of compassion that causes all this damage because people don't want to hurt each other's feelings? I mean, I, my understanding talking to people also is the understanding of a, a legal part of it too. Because if you put the blame on somebody to a certain degree, they're liable. So it's a sure. little legal part sure. to it too, but. But yes, but more, I think again, this is my opinion. This is not a fact, but it's our egos is what stop us from learning from certain things. Because if I if, if I make a, a mistake that somebody gets injured or, or, or worse, it's going to devastate me, and I probably won't want to talk about it for a while. But eventually, I should because someone else is going to learn from that mistake. But it's, I think it's one hundred percent our ego. All of us, you know, we have that type A personality. And like you know, I made a mistake. Oh, you know, you know, you're not as good as you said. You're not. You're, you're as good as your next job, right? So that job I messed up. I'll get my next job be perfect, and it just goes great. So that one doesn't count. So, but why not? Right. I want to learn from that mistake because if it's not me, someone else is going to be in your shoes, same scenario, and they're going to make the same mistake you did because they don't know what you were thinking when you made that decision. Absolutely. You know, that's that's my that's my. It irks me because the guys, you, you can't ask that question. You can't, you know, but it should be automatic. It should be like an internal thing of, look, this is what happened. This is what he saw, you know, and this, this is the mistakes 
that he felt he did. All right, and then we all learn from that. Yeah. Next one's coming at you from Jonah Peterson, and he wants to know what is your go-to. He put it in quotation marks. Your go-to training drill you consistently work on with your crew. We uh, we again we in a unique situation. Squad the squad company. All right, we we just we got so many disciplines we do. We just pick a discipline and pull it out and train on it. We the other day we pulled out the paratech stuff. We you know we set up uh, the monopod and the bipod and all that stuff. Just because we haven't done it in a while, let's take it out. There's right. no, we don't have no go to because again, we don't we don't practice whole stretches. We don't practice how to pull ceiling. We don't practice the basic firefighter stuff because these guys all have time on how play did hundreds of fires. So we don't do that part of it because we don't need to, we, you know. And we do go to the fire, so we we do it at a fire. We have to stay sharp on all the special operations stuff. So when we go to train, ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's going to be on some kind of Special operations stuff, ropes, paratechs, you know, bags, like you know, all, like all that stuff. It's going to be special operations stuff. That's what we focus on our training, because that's that's the world we live in. We're, we're a special operations company. Mm-hmm. I like this one coming at you from Greg Van Ham. He wants to know, going back off the senior man conversation, uh, and going off of a senior man not being motivated, but you are a newer person in the department. How do you handle the pushback from a senior person if you are trying to step up and lead the crew? Like you have less time on, but you're trying to step up and lead, but you're getting pushback from someone with more time on who's not as plugged in. Well, if you're trying to if you're trying to just step in and just take over being you guy, you messed up. <laughs> you don't take you, 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 you that means you're not listening, right? You shouldn't step in and just step in a new guy. If the guy's giving you pushback, what does that mean? Is he doesn't want to train? Or he's like, yo, slow your roll, kid. It's, you know, I got this. Right? So what, is, what do you mean by pushback? You know, he said, because he could just say, hold on, guy. We'll we do that next week. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to do it, but he might just be doing it his time. It doesn't have to be on your time. Right? You want to learn something from somebody who knows it, you have to be humble enough to be on his time, not yours. So, it, what does that mean? Pushback. You know, I don't, that's the question you got to ask. You know, if he just, you know, doesn't want to do it and you're trying to do it, he probably won't say anything about it. Like, oh, whatever, you do what you want to do. What you're going to get. But if he's get up and you're like, no, yo, what you doing? That means he is, he is interested. He is, he's trying to. He just doesn't know how to. He just met you or, or he just, he wants to do it in a different time frame. So this is, you know, you got to figure out what you want to, what, what does that mean? Pushback. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he is, uh, this is coming at you from the same question asked. Greg says they want to just do nothing during the day, but you want to make the crew better. Okay. All right. So you train, let, let, let him complain. If you want to train on something, go train on it. You don't need to ask him to, yo, you, can I train you respectfully? I'm going to go do this. I'm not asking you to do it with me. I'm going to go do this. If he gets up, cool. If he doesn't, you got to be cool with that too, though. If your guys, your your crew gets up and go train, and he doesn't get up, you have to be okay with that. You don't make an issue out of it. You don't say nothing. Okay, we got you're counted out now. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna we're gonna keep training every day, whatever you want. Don't don't make an issue. Don't make an issue out of it though. Don't sit there and start you know making fun of him or make an issue out of it because he's gonna have more time on. He's been around long enough. He's not gonna care anyway. Right. Okay. No problem. You bring it up to every time. We're gonna go do this and go do it. I'm gonna go do this. Go do it. And eventually, he's going to either get up 
because he's tired of looking stupid, or he's going to say, well, I, I don't care. And then now you know that he's not a guy you can count on. You know for a fact he's not he's not that guy. So you your, you and your crew become a tight-knit group, group and get better at your job without him. That's all. Pretty straightforward. I really can't knock it. Uh, Bull is wanting to ask, Stephen McCaffrey says, with a team built of senior experienced dudes, how often do you revisit the basics? Well, again, like basics in what way? Like I said, we don't we don't basic firefighting stuff. We don't do much. I said we all focus on special operations stuff because that's what we have to focus on, and everybody has to say. So we go and train and whatever we want. Like one day we pick something up. Like he, I pick something. The next day he said, well, "I want to do this next week." All right, let's go do that next week. So what we do is like we work two days and two nights. So we buy the lunch for both day works. So the second day we can go train on whatever we pick. And we argue, we argue, we, we bicker. Well, that's wrong. No, that's right. No, no, that's wrong. Back and forth. And then by the time we're done, it got hashed out, and we know how we're going to do it and what works because we tried the wrong way, we tried the right way, we tried the new way, and we tried everything. And now we know how to do this, and it goes away. And then we go to the next thing. You know what I mean? It's like it's different. And different ways is not wrong. But try to do it to the way that the whole crew, the whole crew knows how you're going to do it. So I don't need to. I go check his work. I don't have to be like, oh, shoot, I don't know what, is that right? Is that wrong? But if we all do the same, we all have understanding. No matter who does it, this is how the deep platoon does it. Right. It's how we do. It. It's how my group does it. So we know how it, each other works. Boom. Some good questions, man. So many people ask about. Uh, and he said, thank you for answering. So he absolutely, uh, you absolutely crushed the answer. Where was I going? Experienced dudes. I wanted to come at you from celebrating mediocrity. Oh, yeah. Man, we've been talking about this all night, basically, but I want to hear your take on celebrating being mediocre. Well, the problem is, as I said, when a guy does their bare minimum, they get a pat on the back. You know, oh, great job. The fire went out. Well, yeah, the fire went out. Every fire goes out eventually. Right on. But, but did it go out in the proper way? Right? Were you there for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, or you were there for three hours? Right? The problem is the officers and the, the chiefs and all that, when the fireman does something, we go take the windows out, for example. Take windows out. They leave the sash right in the middle. Right? The fire's out. Oh, great job, guys. You, did, you, you guys did a great job. Fire's out. Tactically, that's 100% wrong, right? The window wasn't clear. And there was a situation that bail, the fireman has to bail. He couldn't get out. Right. Right? So he got a good job for just popping a hole in the window and keep moving. That's mediocrity. You didn't take your time and go up there and clear the window like you're supposed to because you didn't feel like it because it was you were tired, you were lazy, or you just thought you didn't need to. And that's a lack of experience. Go up there, clear the whole window, and then that's to me. That's all right. You that all right? Great job, guys. You every window in this every window in this in this, this house was laddered, cleared, set for rescue. That's a great job. Not popping holes in it, right? And that's it. So, like I said, vehicle education parts. You know, guy, we go, we go to, we go on a lot of those. Right. We get there, and the guys, are, people are getting yanked out out of the cars because they're just they, they pop the door and start pulling them out. To me, that's. And the chief will tell them, great job when you pull them out. Well, that's wrong. Yeah, you yeah, you got the person out, but not the correct way. Because you right. didn't want to take the time 
and go through the steps to cutting the whole car around this person to get them out, release them out damage. You just want to yank them out and get them out really fast. I got them out, you know, we got them out in a minute. Okay. But you just probably broke another arm or you probably have a permanent injury because you just, you were such in a rush. The problem is guys are trying to take shortcuts and the, and the officers and the chiefs are all, they're, they're great to give them a good attaboys, great job because everybody wants to be everybody's friend. You know, when I got on the job, I didn't talk to the chief. The chief didn't even come into the, the room I was in. I didn't talk to him. He didn't come talk. Who was I that's going to be talked to by him? He was right. the chief. I was a new guy. Right now, a lot of, a lot of places, everybody's friends. Everybody have each other's numbers. That's a big problem. Because now on a fire ground, you get an attaboy when you didn't do your job like you're supposed to, like you were trained to do. Mm-hmm. You did the bare minimum. But you, you as a fireman, if I get an attaboy every time I do something mediocre, mediocre, I'm the man in my in my eyes. I look in the mirror like, oh, I get a good job every job. Right. I, I'm not doing nothing wrong. Right. So as as the guy getting the pat in the back, you don't realize that you're messing up because everybody above you is telling you you're doing a great job. So that kind of falls on the officers and the chiefs, you know, whoever's in charge, to to point things out, right? If it gets done properly, then yes, you should take, you know, great job. You know, you did your job in a great way. Because you got to, you know, they deserve it. But if you don't, then call it for what it is. Yo, guys, why is that not done? Right. Why is that not done? You know, and then you get on the officer, and I guess the officer gets embarrassed. So I'm sure you're sure he's going to go back to his guys. Yo, you're making me look bad. But that has to, that has to come off from the top down. Stop patting guys on the back for doing half their work. Is it just a lack of accountability or it's not even a lack of accountability. It's like a, uh, you get an attaboy, even if you don't actually meet the things that require accountability, the, the yeah. requirements. It don't because at the end of the day, the job gets done. But if you break it down to what the ladder guy should have done and what the engine guy should have done, if you start if you backtrack, if they did everything, you check, take it. So like, let's say check off list. I guarantee you, you're going to find like 10 things that weren't done. I love it. You have to, you know, Point them out. Right. But when they are done, then yes, you should pat them on the back. You know, give them the attaboy. Yo, you guys did a great job this time. Because you're not trying to put people down, but you're trying to make them aware that you're not doing your job properly. But absolutely encourage the things you want to see. Exactly. Not encouraging the mediocrity. Yeah. And you see it all the time. I guarantee you, you go to any fire ground, you realize, well, and it's take take a step back after the job's one hundred percent done, done, done. Don't just you don't just walk away. Come back, walk around. And I guarantee you're gonna see like five to ten things that was it wasn't done that you didn't realize it wasn't done. Right on. Like oh damn, and you bring them up. I love it. Okay, which takes me to one of my favorite questions on the scrap. Now you have a unique perspective when it comes to books, and I and I read the the answer and and we talked about it. But is there a book or books? that you think firefighters out there should be reading doesn't have to be a firefighter book, but is there any books you think they should be reading? Yeah. Well, like I said, when I answered your question, what you was referring to is when I asked me, you asked you, you asked me that it was when I get it, because I had guys with so much time on. Right. And I went and I was learning firsthand how to fight fires from these guys. I didn't read any books. I didn't need to read any books. I felt as though I didn't need to know anything else besides what these guys were teaching me. That's what mattered to me. What they were teaching me is all I needed to know. Right, so now the new guys they don't have that experience. They should start reading the books, building constructions, um, fire tactics, and all that right stuff. Right on. 
you know, those stuff you should read because you don't get to learn their hands on like I did. I got lucky, really lucky, and I know it, right? So when I when, when I got on the job, I didn't read a lot of books because I just listened to these guys, and we were we were going to fires. So that's it. I asked those questions, and I asked, yo, what do you think about why we why we did this? Why, and not doing the job, but after, why didn't we do that? Why why right. did you said right. that? And they they will sit down and talk to me about it and tell me, you know. But that's gone. So you have no choice but to get your 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 source from somewhere else. So you know, I can't tell you what book to read, which is the best book to read, because I didn't read them. Right. I you had the hands on, you had the people investing in you for Yeah. So yeah. now, you know, I I'm starting to pick up books, certain things, you know, and um, you know, special operations stuff is different. You no, know, special operations, you know, building constructions and all that stuff that yeah that I you know read that but that became because of, you know I got into SOC, got special sure. operations. So you had to learn that stuff. But when it comes to firefighting stuff, I just my to me was like I need to know what these guys are teaching me. That's all I need to know. That's what I wanted to know. That's all that mattered because we were fighting fires and we got the job done. You know, so you know that's that's unfortunately that's my answer, but when it comes to books. <laughs> you know, it's just, I just, that's how I was me again, but I do know I'm really lucky with that part of it. No, no, you are. And, and I'm very passionate about reading. So I always ask the question, one of my favorite questions, because I'm always looking for new books to read. I mean, I can reach over and I just grab a, a just a random like collection yeah. of, of what I'm currently reading. Cause I'm a, I'm an avid, avid reader, but that doesn't mean that's where everybody gets it from. Yeah. Uh, although I am passionate, passionate about reading and I, and I preach it and I teach it. Um, if you were lucky enough to have like your kind of education and investment, man, that's better than any book you could ever read. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm not saying these guys knew everything, right? Now, sure. I'm not saying that I shouldn't have read books either, but being a new guy and not knowing much about software and I don't know anything about the fire service. To me, these guys talk, these guys taught me and that's what I love. That's all I needed to learn. That's how I needed to fight fire. This is what I need to do. This is what these guys tell me to do. This, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to read somebody else's how to do certain things when they're telling me to do it this way. Right. And especially because it came from your department and which ties right back into what you said earlier in your point about firefighting and being local and knowing and being good at what you do where you're at first. Yeah. And I said, it's, that's how, that's how it was. I mean, that's how it was for us there. Um, but again, now, well, I guess, you know, starting to pick up, starting to read more books and stuff like that. And sure. Um, and, but again, I said we we still go to fires, but it's still not as, it's not as busy as it used to be. Nowhere, but thing is, across I think across the country, things are slowing down because constructions are changing. Construction, right. construction code. Uh, yeah. There's so much stuff that's changing, so everybody's losing somewhat of experience. So yes, absolutely. You know, so now just reading is a good. I mean, it's it's always a good thing, but now I think it's almost a mandatory thing for you guys. Let's see if you don't fight any fires, at least to understand why things get done the way they do. Absolutely. There's a lot of you know, no, I'll never downplay reading, especially. I mean, I, you, anybody who knows me knows everybody should be reading in my mind. Now, yeah. there are exceptions to when I say everybody. But if you have if you have some badass senior people investing in you, then you could learn from that instead. But most people don't have that, which brings us to one of my favorite parts of the scrap. It's called the five questions for firefighters. Uh, it started out as one question. Then it grew into the five questions. <laughs> And then over the years, it has grown into what currently the five questions for firefighters version 3.2. Okay. Now, the questions have no right or wrong answer. It's only your opinion. And then the points are arbitrary. They're assigned by me with the help, mainly 
mainly the studio audience, but uh, yeah. mainly the audience. So my question for you is, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters version 3.2? Yeah, definitely. Go ahead. All right, brother. Um, number one, what is the skill that has carried you through your fire service career? The skill. I mean, the willing to learn. You know, I always wanted to learn something. Always wanted, every time we went to work, I want to try something new. Let's learn something new. Would you say it's curiosity? Definitely. Definitely a partial curiosity. The other part to it is just, can I do it? <laughs> do just I have drive, to, drive. Okay, okay. Can, yeah. I this, can, I, can I get this done? Can I try oh, that? I love it. I like I that. To it. Yeah. Prove it to yourself. Yeah, kind of like, oh, can I just, do you think we could do this? Curiosity mixed with, <laughs> yeah, no, I love it, man. I love it. Philly senior man says Robert Ramirez. Uh, Ryan, yeah, Ryan. I saw. I should have asked about stealing a fire truck. Something about borrowing a fire <laughs> truck in Arkansas. It's not stealing if you give it back. That's it's fair. Borrowing. He did say borrowing in quotations. I yeah. said stealing. Say so, yeah, it's not, it's not stealing. I, I borrowed one. That's all. I needed one for a couple of my life for a little bit. I returned it. Got returned in 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 good working order. I'm assuming it did. No accidents. Every work just the way I got it. I returned it. So, one hundred percent. I will always give Max points for curiosity, willing to learn, willing to learn, and I especially like the part where you're like, "I just want to know if I can do it." I really like that part of it because that's kind of that chip on the shoulder, uh, <laughs> stubbornness uh, factor, yeah. stupid farming stuff. You know, can we do this? I think we can. Let's try it. Let's try it. Yes, I love <laughs> it. Okay, so there we go. One for one, Max points. Number two, one of my favorite questions. In fact, this may be the new question that never goes away, but I love this question. In fact, there's uh, a Spotify playlist that each week when people answer this, they add the song to the playlist. But it's job town. It's time. You're in route and responding. You got to think of the scene from Backdraft where he slaps <laughs> that cassette into the tape deck. What song is Gabe Silas playing in route? Ooh. I don't know. Never thought about that. Ever. Ever. Um, I, I don't know. I'm sitting here in silence, just waiting. I, I have not a clue what I would listen to in the route. I lost that one. I have no idea. No idea. We uh, will not... We will not be adding a song to the playlist. <laughs> Number three, what is your favorite fire service tradition? Favorite fire service tradition. Um, I, I do like the celebrating the milestones. Like you know, you guys have twenty years, you get a, you get something. The guys get retire thirty years, they get something. You retire, you get something. Those those milestones in the career gets celebrated by your, your guys. That's always been, you know, pretty cool. No, I like, I love, I love, uh, celebrating people's, um, man, there, there, there's so many departments that'll let them slide by without ever addressing them. And it's just, it doesn't matter. And you, you show up on your, your 20th year, the anniversary of your 20th year. And it's just business as usual. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, said, it's, that's it's, sad. It's, no, that is a sad one, man. <laughs> Jeffrey Ecker said he is only saying that because he is expecting his 20 year gift. <laughs> Justin Charger is probably pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Number four. Now, this one goes on the clock. Okay. Because there's no honorable mentions. It's on the clock. You get one minute to answer. 
And it's basically, I want to know who are the four people that you would put on your Mount Rushmore of the fire service and go. I mean, I definitely put my two senior guys, you know, Eric Cohen, Jimmy Sullivan. Mm. Uh, we had a captain, um, Buker. He was our first, my first captain at a squad company. He was phenomenal. That's three, right? One That's more? three. Two senior guys, Captain Buker. Um, and my my first first senior guy, um, Richie Hearn. He was he was a great guy. Passed away, but he was such such a gentleman. Dude, I love it. And there you go. Twenty eight seconds flat. Uh, Coleman, Sullivan, Buker, and Hearn, all people that personally impacted you and shaped you into the firefighter that you are today. Definitely. I love it. No, and there's there's always two different directions people can take the question of the Mount Rushmore. They can go on the fire service overall or my fire service career. And obviously you went with the very personal, and that's awesome, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love the fact that you paid homage to the senior people that came before you and your first company officer. Uh, that's powerful, my man. Number five, it is the question. It's been around since the beginning of the scrap. It will <laughs> never change. It will always be here. It is he- heavy fire. And I kind of want to know because you're a squad guy, you know, you're, yeah. you're a squad guy, you're special operations, <laughs> but but you also spent you, you spent the majority of your your uh, time on engines. So I really want to know the answer. But here it is: heavy fire, searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? I'll take the nozzle all day. Easy, quick answer. The, I mean, I, I, the fire will make every condition better. You knock the fire down. With the, uh, the water makes conditions better instantly, giving that person a better chance of living. So if I can get that quick, if I can get that water as fast as possible to that area, the guy, that person has a better chance of living. I love it. Max points on number five, no doubt about it. Uh, easy answer for a guy who said he spent the majority of his time on engines. But even and, the, I mean, the squad company is an engine. We do run as an engine. Okay, okay. So we do get first thing work. There you go. So <laughs> and they said max points nozzle one hundred percent from Andrew McIntyre. Better get that figured out. Yeah, Max, Max, Max. <laughs> I absolutely love it, brother. There you go. That officially, with the answers to those questions, makes it 228 scraps in the books. My brother, if someone wants to get a hold of you, if someone wants to reach out to Philly 10 Helmet Training, uh, in, in, basically, if someone wants to get a hold of you and find out more information, how do they do it? Yeah, you can uh, hit up Philly 10 at uh, Philly 10, like Philly 10 at gmail.com or Instagram. Uh, or Facebook, look us up. You can always get sent us a message. Um, we'll definitely we'll get back to you as soon as we see the message pretty quickly. And they're killer in what they teach, man. I've never heard anybody not brag about Jeff and Gabe. Uh, uh, as far as housekeeping, go to firehousevigilance.com. The vigilantes, go join them. $5 a month. Uh, you can sign up for a year. I'll be posting a link to the after party. Gabe has already agreed to come on and be roasted by the vigilantes for his performance. And this might be the first time someone gets roasted because it's the first time we didn't add a song. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Um, You can become a vigilante. You can get your V50 commitment journal. Um, Moving forward next week, it is El Presidente himself, Ben Flegel, followed by Chief Craig High. And 2024 is off to the races with nothing but absolute amazing firefighter guests, including tonight's uh, Gabriel Salas. Thank you for being such a phenomenal guest. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Uh, I appreciate you sharing your evening with us. Vigilantes, if you're going to be at the Scrap After Party, I will post the link in the private group. Uh, he, yeah, he, All that. Audience, everybody here helping us score the five points, helping us ask questions all night long. Kyle must have had a good fire because he still hasn't made it back, so it must have been a good fire. So we'll have to roast him next week for uh, <laughs> how do you roast someone for catching a great fire? Um, audience, you make the scrap magical. Thank you for tuning in each and every week and asking the great questions. Thank you for tuning in live. I love you all. Remember, mutts don't scrap. I hope the tones stay silent unless it's burning. Everybody, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.